Imputed Podcast starts right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Asman and Butik Show podcast. Jake Asman alongside Dan Butik, and it's football frenzy week number 10. Once again, it's pretty hard to believe that we're more than halfway through the NFL season, but we are, and we got a lot of great games to get to, a lot of big storylines surrounding this week in the NFL. You look at Philadelphia, you have Mark Sanchez starting for the Eagles. You have a divisional matchup between the Bears and Packers on Sunday Night Football. You have a desperate Giants team, which we'll touch on later in the show. You have, of course, the New York Jets, which we always get to. They're looking to get their first win since the beginning of September still. And they've taken on the Steelers. And, of course, Big Ben has thrown now 12 touchdowns in his past two football games. So perfect timing for the Jets to get that matchup. But we have a bunch of things to get to. Of course, we'll have Jake Chernock's four downs later on in the program. We will have the buy or sell segment. And as always, Dan... We'll get to the pigskin pickums at the very end. Pigskin pickums at the very end, but you mentioned it, Jake. A lot of good matchups in the NFL, a lot of good storylines. You mentioned it, the Philadelphia Eagles, Mark Sanchez leading him. How far is he going to take him? And when Nick Foles comes back, what's the dynamic going to be like at the quarterback position for them? That That's going to be an interesting scenario. And then we also have a lot of news regarding injuries. Tony Romo is expected to play on Saturday. We actually spoke with Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network yesterday, and he told us that Romo should be good to go for Saturday. The team is expecting him to play. And Calvin Johnson's going to play this week for the Lions when they host the Dolphins. So he'll be back in action for that team that desperately needs their number one playmaker, arguably the best receiver in the NFL, back out there in the field. And then, of course, you look in Houston, we have a quarterback change there, Ryan Mallett getting the start over Ryan Fitzpatrick this season. Yeah, they need a little spark offensively. And they ran out, traded a sixth-round draft pick in the, right before the season started to the Patriots to bring in Ryan Mallett. It seems like he's the guy they want to go to, especially now when Fitzpatrick just fizzled out. It couldn't really... It wasn't really doing anything for them offensively. The spark wasn't there, and they made the change them out. We'll see. So those will be some of the storylines we will be touching on in this program. But let's get to the Chiefs and the Bills. They lead us off the 1 o'clock game. The Bills are hosting the Chiefs. And a lot of people are very iffy on the Bills, but I got news for you, Dan. They're sitting at 5-3, and three, so are the Chiefs. The winner of this football game positions himself once again very nicely to continue their playoff push. Yeah, and the Bills are coming off, obviously, two weeks ago, the win against the Jets. They had the bye week last week. Then you have Kansas City coming off a win against the Jets. Both these teams last played against the Jets, which is you know pretty ironic. But uh, it should be a good matchup. But listen, Buffalo's played very well since Kyle Orton's come in there. He seems to be a guy that you know hasn't done too much, nothing spectacular. But he's been able to throw touchdown passes, and him and Sammy Watkins really have uh, some good chemistry. And in this game alone, you have the matchup of two game-managing type of quarterbacks in Kyle Orton for the Bills and, of course, Alex Smith for the Chiefs. Both of these teams run the football effectively, but we know Buffalo is still going to be without C.J. Spiller. And you know, I know there were reports of Fred Jackson practicing this it, week. Very iffy whether or not he's going to pra- be able to pra- play. He was ready. To, he practiced the last two days. I, I think he's going to be a guy that, that's going to be good to go. So we'll see how effective he is if he does suit up. But very interesting football game. I think if the Chiefs are going to win this game, that defense that is so good at getting to the quarterback is going to need to do the same against Kyle Orton, especially if the Bills aren't able to run the football because then you know Kyle Orton's going to have to drop back and try and throw and win this game. And one of the things I was very uh, – it was interesting when the Jets played the Bills two weeks ago it was a game really the Bills really they didn't really play well I mean the Jets were terrible but they didn't really play well they kept running the ball couldn't do a thing with it and they were they were very hesitant to drop back and pass seems like maybe they feared the Jets pass rush a little bit and you talk about a Kansas City Chiefs team that had a lot of success rushing the passer how are the Bills going to come out offensively are they going to go to the run game if Fred Jackson's not there or if he is there how limited is he going to be? So it should be interesting to see how the Bills come out offensively. Are going to air it out? Are they going to go back to the ground game? Now getting to another 1 o'clock matchup. You have the Miami Dolphins sitting at 5-3. and three. What a win over the Chargers last week. They're going to be taking on the Lions in Detroit. And, of course, we just talked about it just before. Detroit's getting back Calvin Johnson. So this is a big game for both teams. The Lions, once again, they're 6-2. and two. A lot of people weren't sure what this team was going to be this year with Jim Caldwell, a new head coach taking over that team after Jim Schwartz was fired last year. But the Lions have been very impressive this season, sitting at 6-2, and two, getting their playmaker back. And then, as I just said with the Dolphins, what a win over the Chargers just last week. Great win over the Chargers and Ryan Tannehill. You know, since uh, since he was called out by Coach Philbin, not really called out, but since his question of whether he's going to be the starting quarterback was called into question, he has really stepped up and played tremendous football, throwing it 
Uh, very well downfield, very good. So, I mean, just the development of him as a quarterback has been a good storyline. You you switch to the other side, you mentioned it. Calvin Johnson back, that's a huge plus for Matt Stafford in that offense. And what we've seen from Ta- from Tannehill a lot this season is his ability to move his legs. He's oh, yeah. been willing to take the football outside the pocket. He's been willing to take off of the football on his own. And ever since Joe Philbin really questioned Tannehill, He's played really Absolutely. well this season. You got to give him credit. You got to give him credit. He really it looked like he was just going to be oh, another bust first round, you know, mid to late first round pick by the Miami Dolphins at the quarterback position, but he's has stepped up this year in the last 3 or 4 weeks. Really played he has played well. He's lived up to that starting quarterback role for Miami. Just when you thought he wasn't going to be the guy, you know, maybe he will be. And you look at Tannehill's numbers this season. He's completing over 60% of his passes. He's got, you know, 14 touchdowns this year, only 6 interceptions. He's got a QBR rating of 60.5, so he's been well above average this year. Yeah, I mean, those numbers tell you he's been very efficient throwing the football. Nothing. It, it's funny, you know, they do they do the, some of the things that you see a lot of teams with young quarterbacks do. Nothing, nothing crazy, but they're you know conservative passes, and he's completing them for high percentage, and he's been able to throw touchdowns. And you got to credit the Dolphins' defense because they've been playing at a high level all season long. You look at them statistically; they're right there in the top ten in the league. So they've been doing a nice job keeping the team in it. And Tannehill, I just said it, only six interceptions. One of the things that's caused him issues over the past two seasons has been critical turnovers at bad times. If he's taking care of the football, the Dolphins are winning games. Like a lot of young quarterbacks in the league, that's a big question mark. And then, of course, jumping to another game. This game is actually taking place in England, another England game for the NFL, and we'll get to the whole idea of playing games in London and whether or not a franchise could eventually be back out there in the buy-or-sell segment later on in the show. But you have the Dallas Cowboys coming in off two losses. Of course, last week, Brandon Whedon started for this football team, and they lost. So Dallas is at 6-3 and three right now against the 1-8 Jacksonville Jaguars. And this is the game, Dan, that Dallas must win, especially to keep pace with the Philadelphia Eagles in that NFC East. you got to win this game to keep pace with the Eagles. This is a, a game you really should win. You're facing a 1-8 Jaguars team. you got to get Tony. Tony Romo, really. I mean, you saw last week that Brandon Whedon just – he's not going to move the ball effectively. And they really were stopped so many times on third down. They couldn't move the ball and it really affected the entire offense with Whedon in there. They must get Tony Romo back. He is their big X factor offensively. They need him. Uh, they, they need he's they don't Brandon Whedon isn't a Mark Sanchez in in the case of their offense. Brandon not, Whedon's terrible, let's no, be honest. Well here. I'm well I'm saying is when you have Nick Foles down, Mark Sanchez fits very nicely into that Chip Kelly offense where he can maybe He's not going to necessarily hurt you. If anything, he's going to help you offensively, and he'll be a benefactor. When you look at Brandon Weed in this offense, Brandon Weed has had never had success in the NFL. He's not a pre, you know, he's never proven himself in any sort of in any sort of capacity in the National Football League. So they really, when it comes to a backup, they really don't have that guy to fall back on if Tony Romo's not there. What an awful game for the people of England to see. I know a couple of weeks ago they got the Lions and the Falcons, and actually my good English friend Sam Kay, who I, I know very well over the past couple of years working at the same summer camp with him. You know, he's really into the NFL now based off that game that he happened to see. He's actually trying to get tickets to this game. Well, that's what the NFL but, is trying to do. But here's the thing. Literally, do they know how bad this matchup is? Jacksonville is terrible at 1-8, and eight, but Dallas comes in 6-3. and three. They're getting Romo back. You know, at the end of the day, just seeing something they haven't seen out there, you know, it shows you the popular effect that the game can have in London, and I mentioned we'll get to it a little bit later. But looking at this from the Cowboy perspective, because, you know, this game means nothing to Jacksonville, Romo, I think that because he went out there, he took the plane right out there, he's going to play. I don't think they'd put he him on a plane exactly. if they didn't anticipate him playing. They wouldn't want to take the risk of him injuring his back more by going out there, sitting on a, what, an eight-hour plane ride across the country. They wouldn't. Across, they the, would, across the pond, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> across the pond, absolutely. But they would, you're right, I agree with you. You don't put you on, any, on a plane like right that unless they have expectations of you playing in the football game. And I, I think Tony Romo's going to play. They need him to. You know, losing three in a row at this point in the season when you're seriously contending and you have the Eagles playing good football – I mean, you're going to need your guy out there. Another really interesting game. This is one of my favorite games of the weekend. You know, it's hard to believe this is only a 1 o'clock game on Fox, and that's the Niners and the Saints. You look at this game before the season, and I bet you a lot of people would have thought that, you know, why isn't this a Monday night game or a Sunday night game? Hell, even a, you know, a Thursday night football game. But at the end of the day, the Niners come in 4-4 four and four right now. They lost to the Rams last week. There's talk of John Harbell and not, or excuse me, Jim Harbell not being back going forward next year after he's led this team to three straight NFC Championship games to the Super Bowl two years ago. 
You're not really sure what's going on with this Niners team right now. They come in 4-4, four and four, and then you have the Saints after a huge win over the Packers last week, really resurrected their season with a big win at home, and now the Saints have four of the next five games at home, and it's very hard to beat the Saints in that dome. Very hard to beat the Saints in the dome, and the San Francisco 49ers, Jake, we, we've talked about it a few times on the show. I mean, there's so much distractions going on with this Harbaugh situation. You could tell just during the week. Guys like Staley and Kaepernick, they don't want to talk about this anymore. They, they really don't want to talk about this anymore. And it's become a thing where, will he be back next season? Do you think he'll be back next I mean, this team's 4-4. Four and, four, and, go, there's, and still a, there's still a whole bunch of right. football left to be played. And they've had to go on top of the distractions with Harbaugh. They've had a ton of injuries this season with Patrick Willis. Alden Smith, of course, is suspended right now. They've lost a lot of key guys that are a big part of those teams that and were able to get them. their defense isn't as good as, it, as it's been in the last couple now, of they're years. they're missing three marquee players defensively, and that's going to hurt a team. And then you look at it offensively, and Colin Kaepernick has played well at times, and he's also had his moments where he hasn't so they've been very inconsistent overall and you know the Niners are four and four you'd say well that's not so bad that the San Francisco 49ers but you look at that division the Cardinals right now are seven and two they're clear or seven and one whatever they are, they are clearly the best team in that division right now absolutely and then you look at the the Seattle Seahawks we all know about them they're the defending Super Bowl champions so they're still up on the upper echelon in the league and of course they're going to be competing for a spot in the playoffs so there's another wild card that could potentially be out in the NFC so for the Niners it's going to be important for them to put it together and put it together very fast because there's a lot of teams in the NFC right now that are what three and five four and four they're all on the cusp of being in the consideration for that wild card the Niners have to win games against teams that maybe they weren't necessarily expected to beat based on how they played so far absolutely and then when you look on the other side the New Orleans Saints big win you talked about it before against Green Bay last week they they're very good at home they, historically they've been very good at home that is their 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 mojo is playing on that turf in the Superdome and if they could you know, at 4-4 four and four right now, like you mentioned a couple of home games coming up. They could really put themselves ahead of the pack, especially ahead of a team like the 49ers with the same record. And if you remember, the Niners have had a lot of success against the Saints, specifically in the playoffs over the past couple seasons. But every time they beat the Saints, they never did it in the Dome. It was only it was always at Candlestick. And now, of course, if they play in the playoffs, it'd be at Levi Stadium. But once again, Dan, the Saints at home are just a different football team. Drew Brees on the road compared to Drew Brees at home, those splits are incredible. The difference in his numbers and how well he plays when he's at the Dome compared to when he is not at the Dome. And, you know, I think this matchup bodes very well for a Saints team that loves to get up and down the field very quickly with that Sean, Sean Payton playbook. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. And you mentioned they're better at home. And you have a 49ers team that's got a lot going on right now, a loss, a tough loss last week, really, just a, a very tough loss to St. Louis. And they're going to have to come back, and it's going to be tough for them to bounce back at the Dome. So transitioning to another game, we have the Titans at the Ravens. That game's at 1 o'clock in Baltimore. And Tennessee has just been a mess. They have Zach Mettenberger starting, the quarterback, the rookie from LSU. Then you have the Ravens, who are sitting at 5-4, and four, and they lost a tough game to the Steelers last week. They really just took a pounding from that Pittsburgh offense, a really physical game, as you'd expect when those two teams match up. But now the Ravens return home. And again, they have to win to maintain pace in that division. They're going to have to win this one, 5-4. and four. They, didn't, they didn't really play well at all against against Pittsburgh last week. You just saw their offense start out really good. It looked like they were going to take control of the game, and just they just stole too many times mid-drive. They got into third and long. seemed like every time they touched the football, and that's not a recipe for success, especially against a team, a resurrected defense in the Pittsburgh Steelers. You added Harrison back. You got a couple of guys in there that could really, you know, Brett Kiesel in there. So, I mean, you add a defense like that that's played so well, it didn't bode well for Baltimore last week in the second half. They, they're going to have to bounce back and against a rookie quarterback. I think that's exactly what they need. 1 o'clock game on Fox, our last one we'll talk about before we get to the 4 o'clocks. The Falcons at the Bucks. Tampa Bay is 1-7. They made a quarterback change this week. They're going with um, McCown. Who's gonna? Or excuse me. Who are they, wait? Are they going from McCown or they're going from? They're going. They're going for. They're going back to McCown. They're going right. That's what I thought. So I just wanted to check myself there. They're going back to Josh McCown, and you know, at the end of the day, you were one and seven. You don't really have a choice. We talk about the Bucks every week being that team that everyone thought might be pretty good. We didn't buy into it on the show. If you listen back, and of course you had the Falcons at two and six. We did a buy or sell last week about whether or not Mike Smith will be fired at the end of the season, and the way they're playing right now, it's hard to justify anything else. Just a matchup of two bad divisional teams going at it. Yeah, I mean Mike Smith. Just this team for this last year, four and twelve. Now you sit at two and six. It's tough to sell him coming back at the end of the season. But this is a game, you know, obviously against a team that's one and seven. But then you're throwing your team out there at two and six. I don't really like the way the Falcons have played. They've been awful. This it's, it's hard to say they're going to beat a Buccaneers team that's one and seven. It's easy to say that, but I mean, realistically, I don't. I don't know if this is going to be an easy as a win that people think coming into it, or at least you didn't think coming into the beginning of the season at this point. 
Yeah, you know, what it is, too, is I got a chance to watch Hard Knocks this summer, and they covered the Atlanta Falcons, so I got to see up close and personal how they go about training the team. And it looked like on paper they were going to be pretty good this season. They were getting back Julio Jones. Obviously, they still had Matt Ryan. But at the end of the day, their defense is just so bad. It really does not give them a chance to win any of these football games. No, they have a terrible secondary. They're not a, they, they can't cover downfield. They're not that good of a team. And, you know, Matt Ryan, uh, Matt Ryan's a really, really good quarterback, but he also doesn't, he also offensive line has failed him the last three or four weeks. So that doesn't help you at all as a quarterback either. So you have two bad teams. And as we mentioned just before, the Bucks are going to go with McCown, and they demoted, of course, Mike Glennon. And the thing with Mike Glennon was last year he came in, he played okay in certain, you know, early on. He, People were pretty impressed by him. But overall, I think we've seen enough from Mike Lennon, just like we've seen probably enough from Geno Smith, to know that this guy is just not really you know, a franchise quarterback going forward. And listen, Josh McCown played so well last year with the Chicago Bears that he got a nice nice money deal as a starting quarterback coming in for the Buccaneers, lost his job early on, got hurt, decided to go with Glennon the rest of the way. Now he hasn't played well. Him. And now you're going back to McCown. I mean, they, it, it's been tough for Lovey Smith in his first year with the Buccaneers. Nothing has gone right for a season. You mentioned it earlier, and we talked about it. We weren't we weren't sold on them, but a lot of people thought they were going to be in contention for that sixth NFC wild card spot, and it's not going to happen. Let's go to another game right here. You have the Denver Broncos taking on still the winless, the 0-8 Oakland Raiders, and Denver comes in off a very, very diff- head-scratching loss to the Patriots. I kind of picked the Pats to win that football game, but I didn't think they'd be dominated quite the way the Patriots really took it to Denver. And now Denver is going to have to go back out there on the road in Oakland, taking on you know, a winless team, a team that obviously Denver's heavily favored, favored to win this football game. Uh, they're heavily favored, and after a tough loss where you really – or Peyton admitted that we didn't, just didn't play well. He even said I didn't play well. He even said – that he could have done so much, so much more offensively to contribute, and that they just, they just weren't good. And the Patriots were clearly a better football team. A week later, I mean, you can't ask to play a better team just, just to beat up on than the Oakland Raiders at 0 and 8. So, I mean, this is a game the Broncos got to win. I really think Denver might kill this team. I think it could be, a, you know, real. I, could, I, I honestly think this game could be a bloodbath. I mean, I the Raiders think, are awful. I think you have a, a really bad Raiders football team, and I think you have a Denver team that wants to prove that they're right. That this, this one loss won't affect them going forward. I expect a phenomenal game from Peyton Manning, and he plays great almost every single game, especially off of, you know, not his best performance. I won't say he played bad last week because I think a lot of other factors contributed to why New England was so successful a week ago, but Peyton Manning coming in off a so-so performance, you expect Peyton Manning to have a big game this week. Yeah, and you look at Oakland, I mean, I've seen a lot of things out of Carr to tell me that he's going to be a nice quarterback in this league. Just the problem is he's got no defense, he's got no offensive line, his receivers are minimum. And, you know, that's not a recipe for success no matter who your quarterback is. So he doesn't have anything around him. 425 on Fox, St. Louis taking on the Cardinals. And I mentioned the Cardinals before. The 7-1 Arizona Cardinals, they continue to win, man. I mean, they played great last week. They picked up another big win. And now you're taking on a Rams team that actually beat the 49ers. And they also beat the Seahawks early on in the season. So, you know, if the Rams could just figure out how to beat other teams that aren't the Seahawks and the 49ers, That'd be pretty decent going forward. Yeah, I mean, the Rams have played really well at times this year. It's kind of head-scratching. You look at 3-5 and five and you say, oh, typical St. Louis Rams. They beat the defending champions, and they beat— I know they they, didn't, they haven't played well recently, but a 49ers team, that, that's pretty good. They still went to the championship st- game last year. And in the last couple of years. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're and the Super Bowl two years ago. So, I mean, they are still a very formidable National Football League team. They just haven't been able to, you mentioned, to put it together all together and put it together uh, against the rest of the, Na- the NFC and the rest of the AFC and the rest of football. But as far as the Arizona Cardinals are concerned, 7-1, and one, they are clear-cut that best team right now through eight, nine weeks of the season in that division. And you know what's amazing, too? Just last week we did a buy or sell. Do we think the Cardinals will win the division? Will we buy it? Will we sell it? And we all said we'd sell it just because we weren't sure if we can really trust the Cardinals. But I'm willing to say after watching them play again last week, seeing how well they played this season, seeing the type of defense they have, seeing how Carson Palmer has really adapted well to this offense that Bruce Arians has installed over there since taking over as the head coach, I'm a big believer in the Cardinals now. I think they could be a very dangerous team, especially if they get into the playoffs. But looking at them from a, a divisional standpoint, I, mean, I think there's a very one. good chance right now at 7-1. to The way the Seahawks have played so inconsistent early on this season, and not even early on, we're now you know past the midway point of the season. I've seen enough out of the Cardinals to believe that, you know what, maybe they can win this division. I mean, we're at a point in the season where it becomes, oh, it's not just a good start. 7-1 and one is 7-1, and one. and when you look at the teams you're trying to beat, a 4-4, four and four, you know, 5-3, and three, 
you're starting to get, you know, two, three games ahead of the pack, and we all know in the NFL, you're two, three games ahead. You know, you're most likely going to win the division. If they just continue to play defense and Carson Palmer continues to be able to not turn over the football and be able to make big plays, they're clear-cut the best team in that division. Well, you have the Niners at 4-4, four and four, so they're three games behind the Cardinals. And then getting to the Seahawks, who are going to be taking on the Giants this weekend at home. The Seahawks are five and three, so they still have two more games up on the Seahawks right now. And you know, at the end of the day, That's a lot. people got to start believing in this Arizona Cardinals team. I know I have after watching them play because you keep waiting for this bad performance from Carson Palmer or this letdown performance against the team. But they're so well coached, and I really got to give credit to Bruce Arians. I think he's a perfect example of getting of maximizing the talent that your roster has. He's gotten the most out of that roster, and. You know, at the end of the day, this team's sitting there out 7-1. And they also made some great additions. Antonio Cromartie in the secondary was a beautiful ad for them. He's been nothing but a ball hawk uh, for them in the secondary. So, I mean, that, that just boosts your secondary, especially when you have Patterson on the other side. And Tyler Matheneau, uh, of course, the honey badger, that was a great yeah. pick. He obviously had a lot of... A lot of upside, yeah, obviously a lot of potential. It was the off-the-field stuff that could have been an issue. But you credit them for bringing them in. So far, no issues. And, of course, you have Patrick uh, Patrick Patterson over there. I, they're just a phenomenal football team right now. And you got to give them credit because I don't think many people, if any, have them at 7-1 if you would have said what would their record be through the first eight games they'd play this season. I mean, you look at their secondary, Patterson, and then you got Cromartie. That's a very, very, very good secondary. And against, you know, teams with high-flying offenses, whether you talk about Seattle or you talk about San Francisco, that's the recipe to win. Absolutely. And then, of course, then you have the Giants and the Seahawks this weekend. And how about the Giants? How about that performance Monday night? They were really dominated by this Indianapolis Colts team, both offensively and defensively. And then you look the rest of the way going forward for the Giants. They have Seattle this weekend, San Francisco following that, and then, of course, Dallas going forward for the Giants. Not going to be easy sitting there at 3-5. and five. Not going to be easy at all sitting there at 3-5. and five. And you talk about them playing a Seattle team in Seattle. I mean, they just I, they don't have the guns to win this game. I, I truly believe that in Seattle, I mean, they had trouble keeping up with with uh, they had trouble keeping up offensively with a defense that got shredded by the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, just just a week before. So I, as far as they are concerned, I don't think the Giants offensively are going to be able to keep up with Seattle in Seattle. I, I don't think it's a recipe for the Giants to win, and they really needed to beat the Colts last week if they won the mainstay and, and get on a playoff run. Three and five with the schedule they have upcoming. It's going to be tough waters. Now, we usually do a whole Giants-Jets segment, but with the way the Giants have played and the way the Jets have played this season, there's really not much else we could say. We've been saying this on the show week after week. You look at this Giants football team, and we said that that six-game stretch coming up on the schedule would define what type of season they're going to have. Well, we all know what happened against the Eagles. They got shut out. Then they lost to Dallas. Now you look at what they did against the Colts. They lost that football game as well coming off the bye week. Going forward, you have an extremely tough schedule with Seattle. Of course, you have San Francisco. And then we mentioned it, they have Dallas again. So for the Giants, it's it's win right now. If they fall to 3-6, and six, I got news for you. I think their season's over right now. But if they lose another game and they go to 3-6, and six, I really can't foresee them making the playoffs. It's just been, they lost their first two, they won the next three, and then they lost three since then. There, there's no consistency with the Giants. And they, we talked they have yet about to beat a good team. They haven't beat a good football team. They, they really haven't beat a good football team. I really thought they'd put out a, a good effort against the Colts. I, for God's sakes, I had them beaten. The, I really thought they'd come out after the bye week firing, and, and they just didn't do it. They it didn't have one of the games I got right on the pitch. They, they, just, they, I, they did not have a good offensive approach, I felt, at home, Monday night football. I was very disappointed in what I saw at the Giants. And then, of course, you look at the Seahawks, and we'll quickly touch on them before we get to the Sunday night and the Monday night games. Seahawks at 5-3. and three. For them, it's just getting back to what they did so well a season ago, running the football effectively, and, of course, getting that defense to play at a high level once again. They haven't been as good as they were last year when they were historically one of the best defenses we've seen in the past 30 years. But you know, at the end of the day, Seattle, Seattle, and playing in Seattle is going to be very difficult. I really do expect the Seattle Seahawks to win this game easily. I, I agree. I think they're going to win this game pretty easily just because they're a better team than the Giants and just on the road. In Seattle, it's just going to be too tough. I think it's just going to be too tough for the Giants to win. Now switching to the Sunday night game, you have the Bears and the Packers. Must-win game for the Bears, sitting right there once again as the Giants are at three and five. And the Packers, you know, they've been they've they've had their moments this season. They're right there at five and three. Of course, they didn't play that great against the Saints last time out, and you know the Saints really took it to them. And now they return home against a team that over the years. They've kind of dominated in recent memory. And then you look at this Packers team, they still have Aaron Rodgers, and there were a lot of question marks surrounding him entering the bye with his injury that he suffered against the Saints. He has a full week to rest, and you have a rested Packers team taking on a desperate Bears team. A Packers team that, have, that you mentioned have had their moments, but how about the Chicago Bears? They don't have a win at home. 
0-3. I mean, 0-3 at home. I mean, they, they're on the road. I mean, they got three wins on the road, obviously, being 3-5. and five. Uh, In Green Bay, it's just going to be a tough win. They're so not on the same page between Cutler, Marshall, and, and Tressman. It's just it, it's been abysmal the last couple of weeks of what's gone on, almost like what's gone on in San Francisco with the 49ers and Coach Harbaugh. But, you know, when, 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 you, don't, when you have a team that doesn't trust your quarterback and he, quote-unquote, is your franchise quarterback based on the money he's getting paid, that's going to set you up for disaster. And you got a Green Bay Packers team that thrives off that. I really do not like this matchup from the Bears' perspective. They're allowing 27 points per game. They're not, they really have not played well at all for most of this season. And you look at the Packers coming in off a loss. I'd expect this offense to really have a nice day, especially Aaron Rodgers off a bye week with plenty of time to prepare for a team. That's very dangerous if you're a Chicago Bears fan. And in prime time, too. So that's a game that we'll obviously pick later on in the show when we get to the pickums. And finally, Dan, the Panthers at the Eagles. Mark Sanchez getting his first start since the 2012 season. How about that? I'm so excited to watch this game. I, re- I am so excited to watch this game. I love Mark Sanchez. He played very well last week in relief of the injured Nick Foles, who's now out six to eight weeks. Who knows what's going to happen with that situation, but... Listen, I really hope – I was hoping when the Jets cut Mark Sanchez to bring in Michael Vick, he'd get an opportunity at some point to be a starting quarterback again. Eight weeks later, this is his opportunity. It's a great opportunity for Mark, of course. And, you know, this is the first time in Sanchez's career that he has an offensive coach. He has an, a really, really good offensive, you know, uh, you know, offensive system when you look at Chip Kelly's offense and how it helps quarterbacks play He's got play a great better. running back, too. He's got an outstanding running game. And, of course, he had that with the Jets, but he never had the type of player that LaShawn McCoy is. And you look at the Eagles receivers, he's got Macklin. He's got playmakers all over the field. And at the end of the day, Mark Sanchez has a great opportunity right here to really resurrect his career. We always knew with the Jets that he had talent. The problem with Sanchez, and we don't need to spend the whole show talking about what happened with Sanchez in his career because everyone knows that. He didn't play great, but the Jets also failed him by taking away his receivers and his running game, and he was never able to really take that next step. Well, under Chip Kelly's guidance, you would expect to see you know a brand-new quarterback in Mark Sanchez, and maybe Chip can get the most out of Mark Sanchez's clear potential that we've all seen. And clearly the Eagles aren't sold on Nick Foles, we this has come out in the last couple of days that their front office is very iffy on Nick Foles. You gotta think that if Mark Sanchez plays well over the next over the back, you know, the middle of the back end of the season as we approach it, he might be the guy moving forward, and it won't be Nick Foles. So a- that's an interesting uh, scenario that'll play out. Well, he certainly has a great opportunity, and I couldn't be happier for him. Obviously, it's. Pretty crazy how Mark Sanchez's first start since 2012 will be in prime time. Just how the schedule worked out. And then you look at the Panthers; they're three, five, and one. I didn't think they'd be as good as they were a season ago. I didn't like what they did in the offseason. They took away all their receivers with Cam Newton. Cam Newton had three of his four receivers this year, or guys that he's never played with. So it's tough to do that to a quarterback. We saw what that did to Mark Sanchez. Speaking of the devil, when the Jets did that after the 2010 and 2011 season, when they really took away his weapons, and then you look at the you you look at this Panthers team as a whole. Their defense hasn't been as good. Of course, a lot of that has to do with no Greg Hardy up front, so that's affected their pass rush. They just have been been. Anywhere near as good as they were a season ago. Yeah, I think the the loss of Steve Smith has been huge on on Cam Newton, and and he just was such a leader of that offense that I think I don't think they anticipated that you know that maybe Cam Newton maybe wasn't ready to take that step as that vocal leader because we all knew Steve Smith was the leader of that offense, uh, so you lose him and and Cam Newton really maybe hasn't been that vocal leader and. It shows 3-5-1. and one. I mean, they, they've had some terrible losses this year. No, they really have been. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a quick break. But when we do come back, we're going to get to more about the Giants. We're going to talk about Tom Coughlin's future of the he- as the head coach of the team. Of course, Jerry Reese and some of the moves that he's made. And we're going to get to the Jets and their situation with John Isaac. Of course, as we record this episode, there was a billboard flying, or excuse me, there was a, there was a sign coming from an airplane flying over the Jets facility today that said, Fire John Isaac. And we'll get to all that right after this. You are listening to the Asman and Beauty podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes.
We're back right here on the Asmund and Budic Show, the football frenzy podcast. And just a reminder to everybody, make sure you check out our interview that we did earlier this week. It's on our official ICTV page, ictv.org slash Asmund and Budic. You can check out our interview with Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. We spoke to him about the Adrian Peterson situation. He, of course, was the reporter who broke that scandal. So it was a great time to get him on to talk about the plea agreement that Adrian Peterson obviously agreed to just the other day. But now moving on, we want to get to, of course, the Jets and the Giants as we do every week on the show. And we'll start with the New York Giants because, as we touched on, usually we spend this whole segment talking about their upcoming game. But I don't really think it's necessary to do that at that point. Dan and I both don't think it's really worth it when you look at how poor the Giants were Monday night against the Colts. And now they're going to go into Seattle. That's most likely not going to be a win for this team. But going forward, you look at the Giants sitting right now at 3-5. and five, What is the status? What is the future looking like for Tom Coughlin? And Jerry Reese. I mean, they missed the playoffs this year. It's five out of the last six years they haven't made the playoffs. And But Ian Rappaport, he, you know, he brought it up yesterday. That one make of the playoffs was a Super Bowl win. And Tom Coughlin has a previous Super Bowl win on his resume, of course, with the Giants when they beat the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl in Arizona. So two Super Bowl wins, but... I think you got to look at this. Five of the last six years, this team has, in my opinion, underachieved. And I think everyone's opinion underachieved. They went in free agency. They spent the most money out of any NFL team in free agency. And they're 3-5. and five. I understand they had injuries, but I don't think they're, if I don't think the, the impact that, that Victor Cruz had and Prince of Mucamara had, they're obviously big impacts on the team, but they have so many other glaring holes, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's just the fact that this offense is not coherent yet. With, with this West Coast-style offense that they brought in under McAdoo uh, this year. It, it's been very apparent. You've seen you know patches of it at times over that three-game stretch. But for the most part, this team has not played like a team that's ready to make the playoffs. And when you look at the Giants, one of the things that really hurt them a season ago was, of course, Eli Manning had a very bad season. That's one of the reasons why they did change up their offense and bring in a Ben McAdoo to install a brand-new offense to this Giants team, an offense that is totally different than the, the same offense they ran under Kelvin Gilbride for the past 10 years years and of course won those two Super Bowls with but then you look at the Giants and what are what was another thing we said that had to happen JPP needed to be effective and he hasn't been bad he's got three and a half sacks this season he hasn't been great but he hasn't been a reason why this defense hasn't played well they've had injuries yes and you make a good point Dan had they have injuries of course they have losing Victor Cruz was big losing John Absolutely. Beeson was big but at the end of the day talent-wise, the Giants just aren't good enough. And Jerry Reese, you said it, Dan, spent the most money out of any NFL team to bring in free agents. I don't buy that they were still trying to rebuild. I think that when you bring in all these guys, you're bringing in these players to try and make your team better. I think the Giants thought that they were maybe a few pieces away from being a playoff team after they went 7-9. and I think the Giants banked too much in how they finished the season ago to make it appear that they were closer than where they actually were. You look at what they did last year. They started 0-6, and when they went 7-9 down the stretch, they didn't exactly beat great teams, if you remember. So you look at this team this year, I just don't think they have enough talent to compete, and that raises the question, what do you do with Jerry Reese, and what do you do with Tom Coughlin, who, of course, has earned the right to, I think, leave on his own terms, but how do you go about it? The guy's 69 years old. He looks like he still wants to coach football. And right now, this Giants team looks like it's going to miss the playoffs for the you know fifth time in six years. Well, I think when it comes to the time that Tom Coughlin leaves the Giants, and I think it very well might be the end of this season, he will not be fired. He will leave on his own terms. The only thing is, when is it going to be his own terms? You mentioned it. The guy's 69 years old. This team's not—it's not like they're you know a receiver away. There are some glaring holes on this team. Is he going to want to sit through another three or four years of being uh, a team that's— you know, seven and nine, eight and eight, six and ten. I I don't think so. And then when you talk about Jerry Reese, he really hasn't done a good job over the last three or four years at picking talent. Previously, tremendous job, but over the last three or four years, they haven't maximized. I don't think their resources. You, we talked about it. The most money spent at a free agency, and they're three and five. In my opinion, when you spend the most money in free agency, you should put a team out there that realistically in an NFL today age where it's so year-to-year, the Giants of the last five, six years have pretty much been the same. They Outside of the Super Bowl year, and let's be honest, in the regular season, they were pretty much the they same. They were 9-7. and seven They were 9-7. and seven. The la- Giants over the last six or seven years have been 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and, and that 10-6 and six one year where they missed the playoffs. 
So they've been around that for the last five or six years. They're pretty consistent. It just so happens that when you spend the most money in free agency, you expect a little more than that this year from the Giants. And when you look at this Giants team going forward, obviously they didn't think that they were that far away, but you're wasting another year of Eli Manning's prime. Ah, that's a good The guy point. is in his prime right now. He's, he's obviously ready to win right now. And you're going through a rebuilding phase. Teams that go through a rebuilding phase don't have a quarterback. Look at what the Jets are going through right now. They thought that they'd be better than what they were, but they don't have a quarterback. So right now they're sitting at 1-8. and eight. You look at teams around the NFL, whether it be Oakland, whether it be Jacksonville, they're still trying to either find a quarterback or develop a young quarterback. The Giants have Eli Manning in his prime. He's a two-time Super Bowl MVP. They clearly have a quarterback. It's the fact that they did not do enough to support Eli you know, with the rest of this roster. Obviously, last year, Eli Manning was not very good, and they still won seven games. This year, Eli Manning is on pace to throw for 30 touchdowns and only about 15 interceptions, even less than that. Eli Manning has not been the issue for this team, yet they're sitting at 3-5. and five. So at the end of the day, I think you got to blame the lack of talent on this roster for where the Giants are. I, absolutely, I agree. And what was the big reason why they won the Super Bowl four or five years ago? They're, how great was that defensive line? It was tremendous. Jason Pierre-Paul looked like he was developing into a, a, a mini Lawrence Taylor. We actually almost. had debates, if you remember back then, Dan, with our friends. And I remember having this conversation a bunch of times with our friends who happen to be Giants fans. Darrell Revis or JPP, who's the best player defensively in the NFL? And there were legitimate arguments he that was you could so make good. for JPP. He was a he big reason. the game more than Absolutely. anyone. He led the NFL in sacks that season, if you remember. And since he... Since then, he really has not played that well. He's had a couple of back injuries. He had a couple of injuries that have really derailed his career. And this season, he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been great. He hasn't been at the same level. JPP was J.J. Watt before J.J. Watt really emerged onto the scene, if you remember. That's Absolutely. how good this guy was. No, and that's a good point. I think one thing, and, and I, I mean, we, t we talked about this at the time just over discussions. You know, when you look at this defense and you look at them, uh, the de the defensive front you, you you see you don't see that guy that's like wow he's the leader of that defense it was Justin Tuck and they didn't bring back Justin Tuck they didn't want to give him the kind of money that the Oakland Raiders gave him you know may maybe Justin Tuck was a bit is a big leader on that I mean, well we know he was but maybe Justin Tuck's a big reason why maybe that defense we haven't seen the most out of that defense football's all about you know leadership and and who's the guy that you know that vocal motivation Justin Tuck was that guy for the Giants defensively and he's not there anymore well I think at the end of the day it just comes down to the fact that the Giants are just not very good talent wise you look at this roster and we just no, went over and it. they're not they have a lot of holes and they spent a lot of money and ultimately I think if the Giants missed the playoffs this season there's a good chance I'd say it's about 50 50 right now that Tom Coughlin's the head coach going forward I think a lot of it obviously depends on how they finish and of course you have Jerry Reese who once again, this team is not ready to win right now, and that's five of the last six years. Of course, when you win a Super Bowl, you buy yourself time. But what the Maras and the Tisch family have to figure out is how much time does that really buy when you're working with you know a sixty, a sixty-nine year old head coach, a guy that's going to turn seventy coming up, and you know a, a general manager that even when they were winning championships, they didn't exactly have the best team in the regular season. You no, know, and that's a good point. And let's be honest here: when you when you just look at this and you say. Four, uh, a, 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 a GM over the last six years have missed the playoffs five out of the last six years, and, and you don't say who and you don't say anything about it, your first instinct is, wow, that guy's probably going to get fired. You missed the playoffs five out of six years? I mean, as an NFL GM, I mean, that's that's pretty drastic. You know, that, that's, that's pretty drastic, five out of six years. That one was a Super Bowl. They had a previous Super Bowl before that. But I, I don't think that excuses the fact that the Giants have been very mediocre over the last three or four years. They've been very mediocre. It's been around the same. They seem to make the same mistakes. They seem to have the same type of turnovers. They seem to have the same type of uh, games played. I mean, how often do we see the Giants play really well one week, don't turn the ball over, and then the next week we see Eli throw a couple interceptions. Offense and the def offense and the quarterback aren't on the same page. It's more apparent this year with the new offensive system they put in under McAdoo, but I just think that the Giants have not gotten better over the last three or four years. They've declined, and now they don't have much talent around Eli Manning. And Dan, obviously we'll transition now to the New York Jets, and you look at the news coming out of training camp. Earlier this week, of course, being a fire John Isaac banner flying over the Jets practice field for about 20 minutes on Wednesday. I mean, it gets as crazy as it gets right now for the, for this football team. They're at 1-8. and eight. Pittsburgh's coming in. You know their fans are going to flood the stadium because Jet fans are going to sell their tickets and not want to go watch a 1-8 and eight football team. And, of course, the Steelers always travel well. So the Jets are in a very difficult spot this week. They, they don't have suck. a secondary, and they're facing a quarterback that's thrown 12 touchdowns in his past two games. Of I, course, I, I just—it's just—it's one of those things where I—I just—they—I don't—they can't win this game. They're just—they just—they're just not good. 
And when you're facing a Pittsburgh Steelers team and a quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger who's thrown 12 touchdown passes over the last two weeks, I mean, he's coming in against a Jets secondary that's that's awful. It's just it's it's awful. So what do you think he's going to do against the Jets secondary if he's tearing up, uh, you know, the Colts secondary, which is not you know it's not great, but it's significantly better than the Jets is. The, the Jets are in for a rough matchup this week. And, you know, any way you look at this, whether it be Pittsburgh's offense or just even their defense is so much better. And you look at the Jets last week, even with Vic having a full week of practice, they still, they still only scored much. 10 points. I mean, he was okay. He played decent, didn't turn the football over, gave him a chance at times. But at the end of the day, the Jets don't have the talent to compete with a team like even the Steelers. And at the end of the day, you know, do I endorse this fire John Isaac banner flying over the facility? No, I don't. I think it's stupid, but it just voices the frustration of this fan base. I think it's very apparent that more so now than ever, Jet, the Jet fan base and, and, and their fans, and whether it's in New Jersey, New York, or, or wherever the case may be, they're frustrated because they did not think this team was 1-8, and eight, and they have underachieved. I do. I don't think they're great. I don't think they're good. But they're not one in eight. They bags. won eight games last year. They couldn't be that. Much. They, yeah, they, exactly. There's not that big of a drop off. Exactly. They're, Maybe they're, they could have went seven and nine. Is that a harder schedule? We not, said that would be a possibility. We did. But they're not one in eight. Bad. They're not one in eight bad. They're really not. But w- when it comes down to it, John Idzik, you haven't seen the accountability and you haven't seen the ownership of the fact that this team is bad and he's in charge of it. He picked the players. We said it. Uh, uh, we said it in May. This is going to be John Idzik's big draft. He had 12 draft picks. He can't screw it up, and he screwed it up. He flat out screwed it up. Only five of those 12 guys are on the roster. A- and when you look at the rest of this team, they have glaring holes that he did not fill. $21 million he didn't spend in the offseason. They're $21 million under the salary cap, and they have one win through nine games, and it was in week one. They've lost eight in a row. Who Who is accountable? Someone's got to take ownership here. Is it Rex Ryan to a certain degree? Yeah, I don't. He will not be back. I just I don't see a situation where he's back next year. But goddamn, John Idzik has done a terrible job with putting a team out in the field that could realistically compete. Still not ready to say Rex won't be back just because I can't I think, see it. I you know I, I don't see it either. But I'm not. Ian Rapport made, came on the show and he said that he's not ruling it out either. And if he's not, I'm certainly not. I I, I don't know because I think at the end of the day the owner really likes Rex and if they're really you know oh, be, just, uh, if they're I, really believing in this team going forward and they Woody believes in John Isaac and is willing to give him another chance, then how could John Isaac fire Rex for the season that he because has? It's, because it's because what what why would Woody because, then give Isaac the right to hire his own coach if he doesn't like? Because then you would give Isaac even more time. I, I think they're both his own coach. I would give them. I think they both should be well, out. I would like, clean I think, house. I think, it, I think you got to clean house. Well, that's why I'm kind of leaning towards is one or the other. I think if Woody Johnson's going to fire Rex Ryan, then he's probably going to fire John Isaac with him. I think at the end of the day, John Isaac could come back because of the owner's relationship with Rex, and because you know what, have they had a horrible season? Yes. If they go one and fifteen, I think they're both gone. Obviously, but let's say the Jets maybe finish up and they go four and twelve. And they're they, both gone. They went. I think they're next gone. couple. I don't necessarily know if John Isaac's gone. I really don't. You got to give a GM time, and I know John Isaac has been horrendous. And I think that he should be gone if that's the case. But Woody Johnson's not great at managing these type of situations. We've seen it over the course in his tenure. He's very unpredictable. He fired Eric Mangini after they went nine and seven. He kept Rex Ryan after they went six and ten and brought in the new GM. I really don't know what Woody's thinking. I'm not ready to sit here and just say that Rex is definitely a goner. I agree with you. I think it's very unlikely he's back. But at this point right now, eight games into the season or nine games into the season for the Jets, I'm not ready to say distinct not, I'm not ready to say definitely it, that he's gone. I he what has he done to show you that he deserves to coach this team going forward? I just I, I don't think he's gotten the most out of his team this year. I understand they're not good, but the we said it they're not one and eight bad. I, I just I don't feel that I don't feel he's done that and the coaching staff has done a good job this year. I really don't. There I understand they're not good and they have holes, but I just think this is Rex Ryan is just you know they've gotten progressively worse. Yeah, last year they finished up strong and finished eight and eight, but four years in a row without making the playoffs. Why? Why should? Why should he remain the head coach? I I, can't, I, I ask and I like Rex. He's a good guy. They've had success before with him, but it's been too long since they've had success and since his franchise has had success. Well, I hate when people say it's four years out of the playoffs because you got to look at each season for what it is. Twenty eleven was disappointing. They were eight and five. They finished eight and eight. We know that. 2012, I mean, that was the reason why Tannenbaum was out of a job because of that roster. And then you look at last season. Last season, they were expected to win three games at most, and they won eight 
games. So you know, at the at the end of the day, it's hard it's, to it's say an, you, four straight enough. years out of the it's playoffs. Enough. You got to make a change. Listen, you I'm, have to. Make I'm not a change. ready to give up on Rex Ryan. Well, then I, I I just think you got to make it. You got to make a change. Yeah, I, you have to. You it's a, you got to clean house. You got to bring in someone new. You got to bring in a new head coach. You got to give this team a different attitude. And you got to get different players on the field. A Rex is lost. He he's lost his locker room. This, he, this oh, I, that's just true. he has not lost this rock, and the team has not quit. They're just not talented. They didn't quit against Kansas City but, last But when week. I say he's lost a lot, there's nothing left. Like, what is he What is he coaching the rest of the They're not going anywhere. They're 1-8. He's just finishing out the rest of the I don't, he, uh, he will not Losing be Losing the locker year. room is a, is a very strong term to well, use in this I type th- of situation. Well, when Losing I th- the locker room is when your players quit on you. At the end of the day, the Jets lost last week because they don't have talent. They're 1-8 right now. A big, the, probably but the why biggest did, reason why did they, they lose, a quarterback but, and don't have enough talent to compete. Let me ask you something. In 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 situation, Rex clock management is awful. It hasn't gotten better. But what are Rex's strengths? He's a defensive coach. Yeah, he's a defensive coach, and when and the defense a- sucks. That's not Rex Ryan, though, Dan. But it's a, you're but it's, naive but, if you think it's no. Rex Ryan. I'm not, and I, I you, you don't listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's Rex Ryan. The team isn't good, but he hasn't gotten the most out of his players this year. They're not good. But I think it's hard to get the most out of his players when his defensive scheme is predicated on having corners, and the GM didn't give him anything. Are they one and eight bad? No, but whose that's fault the, is that, it? That's, that's but whose the, fault is that's it? That's on the GM. That's on the GM. But if they're not, one, but if the their coach. roster isn't one in eight bad, whose fault is it? I think it's on Geno Smith. Can you blame Rex Ryan for Geno Smith? Was that his but quarterback but, that he chose? But, but the, the, at trying, the end of the day, the coach is. You're not going to fire so the, the so they'll fire the coach. But uh, yes. you're looking at it from a rational standpoint, that's not necessarily the right way to go. You're I definitely think, saying he's gone. Why? I, why should Rex? Why should Rex get a third a third general manager? Well, I'm not saying that. If you listen to what I said at the beginning, I'm saying that John Isaac could easily be. One back of them with is going to go. One of the, there's no way they're both surviving this. Well, there's no way that Rex is back with his third general manager, so it would be both of them. That's the point I'm trying to make here. I think I I agree. I think they're both gone. We're, we're, we're not arguing this. Then there's I'm just what you're saying. You're trying to. I think you're trying to pin more on this season on Rex. I know. I think it's I think it's both of them. I, I think they I think they take equal blame with the reason why this team isn't good. I really do. I think from a player personnel point, it's Isaac, and on the field. I mean, they're just not good. They make they make the same mistakes week in and week out. They turn over the football. There's there. They, they, it seems like the quarterback and the receivers aren't on the same page. That the clock management is abysmal. Because they're, the quarterback is awful, and we talked about this. If they had a quarterback, even an average quarterback, this team but, is but, what but, maybe sitting with four wins right but now. You can make the case for a, that for a lot of coaches yeah, but that's in the NFL a, but, that get fired. Yeah, but at the end of the day, we've seen the Jets have success with Rex. So you got to judge Rex more based on in what, two what years. The team is. That's, this is four years of no success. Yeah, but I I considered last you considered last year a success. Okay, but you said it was the best eight and eight you could ever do. The best, and now they're one and eight. Right, and I, I I agree with you that I think if Woody Johnson were to make a change, I wouldn't argue it. I would understand, but to sit here and say that oh yeah, Rex has got to go. I think so. I, I think I think he does. I don't think that's necessarily the right way to approach it. Yet. I think there's still you know it's still a number of games left this season. You still have obviously eight games left in this football season. I, it's hard to sit here right now. I just now. don't. I can't see a situation where Rex is back. I really can't. Listen, you're very you're very firm on that, and you presented the question when we interviewed Ian I just, on the I can't show. See him. But at the at the end of the day, there's still scenarios where Rex Ryan's back. I think if I Rex just, Ryan's back, John is. I think also it's far back. and in between. And, I I just I can't. And whether or not that's the right decision, we'll find out. But but the bottom line bottom line is with this team, there's still plenty of games left. If they finish strong, then you can likely see just like last year. Rex Ryan keep his job, and John Isaac enter his third year in a must-win situation for both the head coach. I just think, and of course, you're, if you're selling, you're selling an, an eight and eight to a four and twelve to this fan base going forward, and no changes are made from a personnel standpoint. But I standpoint, still think the fan base. If you listen, I still think the fan base is still behind Rex Ryan. I don't think they've turned on the coach. We said it even last week. They like they, Rex. I, I I like Rex. I really do. So He's a I'm good not, head coach. That's right. That's 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 why. But, I'm, but it's I'm time for a change. But it's time for a change. I think it's time for a change. It's contradicting what you're saying that you like Rex. You think he's a good head coach, but you're saying this. It's time. Time for a change. I guess time for a change at the general manager position. If you, I think both. If you, and I think there's a good chance that happens. But this idea that John Izzy keeps his job, I don't, I, d- I do not, I don't think either of them I think keep it's, their job. Uh, that's what I've been saying the whole time. I think if Rex Ryan is here, John Izzy's here, and I think if Rex Ryan is gone, John Izzy is also gone. I don't see a scenario where John Izzy gets to hire his own coach because what has he done so far in his tenure to prove no, I, that he could bring in the right I guy, th- bring in the right quarterback, bring in one, the right management. I think at one and eight. John Isaac's opportunity to hire a head coach is, is out the door. I think it. I think it, it's out the door. I don't think he will get a chance to hire. No, and that, so at the end of the day, that's why I think Rex can still potentially keep his job. It's just, it's, Say this team finishes up decently, they do okay. What's decently? Uh, you know, maybe they 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 win their last what three games. Let's say they do that. For example, last year they won their last. They won three of the last four games this season. So if ago. they're so if they're one in twelve and they win their last three. I have to I have to judge it based on what it is. So I think, what, so based on I think what if you if you're Woody Johnson so, and you look at this Jets season, you gotta 
how can you blame Rex? I think, but I for just, not having a but quarterback. I, I, but Geno Smith, you, what you're saying was is one of the worst statistical quarterbacks that. we've ever Abs- seen. Absolutely, he I can't awful. blame the head coach for but that. That's not his fault. It's just it's time for a new. It's time for a change. You got to clean house. And I think at this point, and I like Rex. Cleaning house means John Isaac and Rex Ryan. I agree with you. They're going to clean house. I think, and I've said this. I think if Rex goes, Isaac better be gone I, with him too. I agree. But I think if you're going to keep Rex, I can understand it. Depending on a couple factors, obviously how they, I think if they go one and fifteen, you have to clean house. But if let's say they finish up okay, they finish up decent, I think you got to give Rex Ryan and John Isaac. You know, you got to at least think about it. Because here's the thing: if they finish up okay. You fire Rex Ryan, but you let John Isaac hire his coach. I don't see that happening. That's why I'm not. That's why I don't think it's so cut and dry that Rex Ryan is necessarily a goner. I don't buy it. Last year, everyone said he was a goner, and he wasn't. Well, they went eight and eight. They finished up very strong. But last that's what year. I'm saying. And the morale at the end of last season was very strong. But what if, if you remember? What if it's positive down the stretch and Vic plays well, leads into a couple of victories? I don't know if I could sit here and say that Rex. I is think at one and eight, it means it means squash. So that means that they've already decided the fate of the Jets. Then the fate uh, well, of Rex. In, the my, fate of Isaac, in, in my opinion, I don't see a scenario where they where Rex comes back. But what about Isaac? I don't think Izzy comes back well, either. Well, then, then that's what you have to say, too, then. That's not what I you're saying. That. I he, said that. I said that. You were saying you said you don't see a scenario where Rex has come back. And Until I don't point, think John Izzy comes back. I said that before. So I that's said fine. They both are, will not. I do not think either of them will be a member of the Jets. So regardless, year. you think they're not coming back. Yes. My whole point is that Rex Ryan could be back along with John Izzy, depending on those factors playing out the rest of the way. I think, you, if John Izzy is back next year, you're, what you're selling to your fan base, who pay a lot of money to come to games, is not positive. It's not positive. No, but at the end of the day, this is a this is an owner that is very unpredictable. Well, then shame on him. I I don't I don't necessarily I wouldn't necessarily disagree with the move. I got to see how it plays out because here's the thing too. John Isaac has been horrendous, but he's also done a de- he's also done. You could also point to things that he's done well. I think there needs to be some some sort of changes depending on what, how they what, go. What has from. gone well? They, well, first off, they went eight and eight last year. That's a credit. That's a credit to obviously the coaching staff that for him believing that in was Rex. okay. Right Shana now, Rich Sim was a but, good but, move. Okay, right. Jason Morrow was a good okay. move. Okay, so bringing in Percy Harvin, I think, is a good move. But when you look, at, I think when, when you look, look when you look at what he because you, you you say oh last year yeah they were I, I, I don't want to def- I don't want to defend John Isaac here but, I'm not because I don't think he's done, he's done a great job he's done but, a terrible right, job but my whole thing with general managers is and what everyone always says when you talk to anyone with a football background is they need two to three years at least a minimum. So then, years. so okay. So then, based on what you're saying, he should get a chance to hire his own head coach. No, but I don't buy that because I think he's been so bad at his job. I agree with you. So right. then, he should lose his job if the, if the season continues to go where it's going. Then I agree with you. But you made a point that you don't see any chance Rex is back. I do not think so. I think there still is a I, chance. That's the whole point. I I just think four four seasons not making the playoffs in a row is tough to bring a coach back. It is. But at the end of the day, Woody Johnson. It doesn't happen very it was, often. It, and we said that it, we said uh, we said when they hired John Isaac that it was going to be very tough for them to bring back Rex Ryan with a new GM. It was. And they did it. They did it. And Rex is still the head coach right well, now. Well, Jake, if they finished. Below, if they finished five and eleven last year, would Rex be back? Probably not. So, so that's what I'm saying. So then a year later, if they finish four and twelve, wh- I just don't see a situation where he comes back. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, because at the end of the day, maybe John Isaac is so bad at his job that he says, "Listen, Rex, like so if I, he's I so bad at his job, why did, he should lose his job? Because, they should both lose their job." Well, I, I I understand that, but my whole point is, what if they what if they play to Woody their case and Woody gives them one more year? It's very possible. Like, don't rule that out. I don't think it's as cut and dry I, as you but, think. But, you're selling crap to your fan base if that's the case. Then buy it as crap. But at the end of the day, I like Rex. I believe in Rex. I think he's a good coach. I want to see Rex Ryan remain the head coach of the Jets. But I think you're. I think you, 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 I like Rex too. But when you think of it from a football standpoint, it's tough to bring him back. It's tough. But at the end of the day, we're gonna have to wait and see how the season plays out. A lot of the season falls on the lack of talent and lack of a quarterback, and I think that might exonerate Rex Ryan. But we'll find out. Obviously, I just, we'll agree to disagree it's too, on this. It's too tough. We'll, it's just too tough. We'll address it at the end of the season. We'll see what happens. But right now. I, I, I think going forward, it's not as cut and dry as you think. Rex Ryan is definitively losing his job, and you've had people in the in the media say the same thing. I'm not saying you're. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just think one and eight. It's been. It's gotten worse week after week after week. They've lost eight in a row. They've lost eight football. That's tough to do. It's tough to win eight in a row. It is tough to lose eight football games in a row. You must be pretty freaking bad, and you must be doing something wrong week in and week out to lose eight football games in a row. And a games that you have not even that outside of a, of one, outside of one game against New England, you have really not been in. Oh, that's not fair. That's not fair to say either, though. But I don't want to spend all uh, all, all I, show. I, 
it's breaking down each game. No, but I'm just saying. They were in the Denver game. They were in in the game against the Chiefs last week. Oh, really? I mean, I guess... I mean, they're they're not competing. How many games? How many games has Geno Smith lost just with his stupidity? They should have beat the Bears. Okay. They should have beat. But they should have beat they the Packers. They were twenty-one to three. They should have, would have, could have. But they don't have a quarterback. Dan, but, that's where it comes out. I so can't they blame ju- that. Then they, John Isaac should be fired, Jake. If they, he, they don't have a quarterback, John Isaac should be fired. Then he, he will lose his then job. Then they both will lose their job. And what are we disagreeing on then? We're not, uh, no, but I'm saying I think they both will be gone. You're making the case Rex should come back. I think it's far and in between. I just don't see a case where Rex comes back. I think it's very, 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 very tough at 1-8 to sell Rex Ryan coming back. And I, I say it again, I really like Rex. He's done a lot of good things as head coach of the Jets. I've seen more success in the last four years, five years, even with two AFC championship games going to the playoffs. But it's tough to sell four losing seasons in a row where it's gotten progressively worse. And this season, it's gotten worse week in and week out. And if you're selling that to your fan base, then that's garbage. And that's shame on Woody Johnson. And it's shame on John Izzett. Okay, well, here's the thing. They're not selling it to the fan base. They're selling it to an owner that already kept Rex over you, six and ten what, seasons with a new you, general What are you manager? giving to your fan base after going, say they go four and 12? What, what are you giving to your fan base? You're giving your fan base a top pick that they're going to take a quarterback on. That's the hope for your fan base. It's just like there was oh, hope when they brought in Geno Smith. With the same GM and the same and with the same GM that got you in that position. Stop thinking that Woody Johnson is really thinking what the fans think. At the end of the day, he's going to do what he wants to do. He's a billionaire owner. That's uh, what I'm, these stupid fire Isaac banners mean. Absolutely. I don't. Nothing. I don't condone the fire Isaac. I think it's. T- I don't condone the fire Isaac banners. But what I'm saying is, I think it's just tough to sell both of them coming back. Is I, it a tough sell? Yes, it is. But I'm not going to sit here right now with halfway through the season and say that it's not possible for the Jets to play a little better and for both of them to keep their job. You don't think that it's possible? For the Jets to maybe play a little mm. better, and John Isaac to get a third year as the GM, they already guaranteed. I think it's Rex tough. This, this I really year. think it's tough. He's not going to get a chance to hire his own coach, so his only way. Is I, I don't think. He, yeah, I, I agree with so you. I think those, right. that's out that's of the question. That's definitely gone. That's he, out of the question. He's not going to get a chance to hire his own coach, but what he might get the chance to do is get a third year with Rex, and that would be it. That would be it. Then it's no matter what happens, happens. You got to put a winning team on the field. I'm sorry, I, but that would be the only. Situation I think that was the case back. this year. I really do. We'll I see. Well, I think that was the case this year. We'll I'm very, it's been very disappointing. Yeah. Either way, it's been it's been a it's been miserable. It's been a horrible season. I, and there's no defending that whatsoever. But you know, at the end of the day, I still think there's a chance Rex will keep his job. But we'll find out. It's not looking. It's not. I agree with you. It's not looking too good right now when you're at one and eight. But once again, one and eight, still time to turn the season around. We'll find out where the Jets finish and what obviously owner Woody Johnson is thinking up there at Johnson Johnson using his Q-tips and. Yeah, I mean, he's got all he's got a lot of decisions to make. I mean, this is a this has been you know the worst season they've had since he's he's been on the helm. So when we come, so so. when we come back, we'll get to the buy or sell with our producer Jake Chernock. We are going to be back right after this. Back right here on the Asman and Budic Show podcast after a heated Jets, John Isaac, Rex Ryan debate. We now bring on Jake Chernock, our producer, our main man, for the buy or sell segment as we do every week. Chernock, how are you? I'm good, guys. How are you doing? Doing well. You know, should uh, looking to be a great week 10 of the NFL. So Jets thinks so there's that. But well, I mean, that's a given at this point. So let's get right to it, guys. Obviously, we were talking about the Giants a little bit earlier, but buy or sell, Tom Coughlin is back as the head coach of the Giants in 2015. I'll sell that, actually. I do not believe he'll be the head coach. I just think after, what is it now, five out of six seasons without making the playoffs, I just think there's no way that he can possibly come back after this. He's 70 years old at this point. They'll either make him resign and, and force him to retire, or they might just fire him outright because at, at, at this point, with the talent that is uh, that exists on this football team, there's just no reason for them to be three and five. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sell it. I don't think he'll be back next year. But I think if he's not back next year, then Jerry Reese shouldn't be back next year either. I think it's one. I think it's uh, same case with the Jets. I think if one is gonna go, the I, other has I to agree, go with them. But they both have to go. I think that when you look at the Giants, they obviously spent a lot of money in free agency. You look at Jerry Reese and you look at this team and what they did in the offseason and what they did bringing in Ben McAdoo to be the team's offensive coordinator. They're clearly going to be faced with a very difficult decision. I think Tom Coughlin 
still has one more year left. We'll I think see. the Giants are three and five right now. I think it's I think it's I think it's obviously how they finish too. Because you remember last year we all thought Tom Coughlin could have been done when this team was zero six. Now they obviously went seven and nine last year, and they probably saved both their jobs. So we'll see how they end up. I think I think if I had to say right now though, I'm, I'm still going to buy it. I think Tom Coughlin will be back. Their their season very much at three and five. It could really. It's at a crossroad. We're at a crossroad right now. So I think the answer to that question might be more definitive in four weeks than it is right now. So you guys are both selling it. I'm buying it. Let's get to another one. Adrian Peterson is a Minnesota Viking in 2015. We know he'll probably play again this season at some point. But what about next year? I think it's a buy. I think he'll be back with the Vikings next year. I, I think he's that type of dynamic running back that you add to an offense with a young quarterback. All the off-the-field issues aside, he still is a tremendous running back, and, and he's in addition to any offense, and they already have him under contract. I know Jake talked about it yesterday with Ian. He is a big cap hit, but he's a tremendous player. I think he'll be back next year. Yeah, I'll buy that as well. Like you, you, know, like you were just saying, Dan, he is under contract. He's a dynamic player. The Vikings could certainly use one of those on offense, working with a young quarterback like Teddy, uh, like Teddy Bridgewater. So, yeah, I'll buy that as well. I'm going to buy two guys. I think they obviously opened up their new stadium. I know Ian made this point on the show when we had him on the program. He said that, you know, they're going to look for someone that can help them open up the new stadium with a face of the franchise type of player to help sell tickets in their first year. I still think Adrian Peterson's Adrian Peterson. I understand this year we is right up in the air what he's going to be able to do when he does eventually come back later on this season. But once again, he's still Adrian Peterson. He is turning 30 years old, but at the same time, He's taking a year away from football where he's not really taking as much contact as he would normally get under normal circumstances. So I think that could help him maybe be more uh, more along the lines of a younger type of 30-year-old athlete in the NFL. I think he's back for at least one more year. And now we'll get to our next one. There will be an NFL team in London within the next 10 years, buy or sell? That's a good question. That really is a great question. I'm going to sell it. I don't know if it's 10 years but I think the NFL is starting to pull into a direction where they really think that, that, uh, that that's something that they want to look forward to. I, I just don't know if it'll be 10 years, but I think that's something the NFL definitely wants to explore. I don't know if there's a definitive answer to that, but, but that, that's going to be tough for making a schedule. You put a team in London and a team going to London uh, you know, once a year uh, on your regular schedule, that's, that's tough. I mean, that's tough, but I think it's a sell. I'll sell it as well, just because there's so many logistical issues still, need, uh, you know, that still need to be worked out. Like you just talked about, sending a team to London one, you know, one week a season. That's just tough on every single, like in every single. Like think way. about it. You, it's you, so much it, just because you can't. We, it affects TV too. It, it affects TV, but you send a team to London. Now it's like you have a bye week afterwards. So it's like it's, but you can't have a a team can't have a bye week every time they go to London. That's tough on the time differential too. And then you got to talk about preparing for another team the next week. That's a tough. That's that's tough. How about a team coming back to the United States? That's too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's a trip here, and then there's the trip back across the pond as well. I'm going to sell it to you guys. I mean, you, you guys said it. You send a team to London for eight for eight home games that the the team uh, in London tough. would have. It's really I, tough. And then what what type of disagreements yeah, for the team that's about, in London yeah. that has to go to the United States every week for their game when they're playing on the road? I just think yeah, yeah. right now the way the way it is, there's too many Chernock, as you just said. There's too many logistical is- issues with this. I think maybe one day if we you know live in a world where you know a flight to London is eventually what like two hours, let's say, that maybe yeah. it's more of a possibility yeah. if technology one day continues to you know evolve over time, then maybe one day down the road we could be talking about this again. But I think the NFL is exploring London. They want to grow their fan base, just like. You see international soccer a lot of times come to the United States to get their games in here over the summer, over the winter, when you have whether it be the national teams, or we saw even teams like Real Madrid and Barcelona come to the States and play some games here, some exhibitions or whatnot. I think it's kind of what the NFL is trying to do. You see baseball trying always play games in Australia. They played games in Japan. It's kind of this whole thing with the expansion and whatnot. But I think at the end of the day, seeing a team in London right now, even within the next 10 years, I just 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 can't see it. It doesn't seem logistical. This doesn't seem logistical. So absolutely. And, you know, that's going to do it for the buy or sell segment for this week. But let's get the Jake Chernock's four downs back right after this. Now it's time for four downs with Jake Chernock. On first down, through the first six weeks of the season, the Steelers were 3-3 three and three and averaged 20.6 points per game, good for 23rd in the National Football League. Ben Roethlisberger had as many games with a sub-45 total quarterback rating as he did with a quarterback rating greater than 65. In the last three games, however, Roethlisberger has averaged more than 375 pass yards per game and became the first quarterback in NFL history to throw six touchdown passes in back-to-back games. 
On second down, Peyton Manning's replacement in Indianapolis, Andrew Luck now has 3,085 passing yards this season. Only once in history has a player had more through the first nine games of a season, Peyton Manning last year. Luck joined Manning as the only two quarterbacks with 23 passing touchdowns in each of their first three seasons. And Luck now has a career-high 26 passing touchdowns this year, passing Manning for the most in the NFL. On third down, Eli Manning was 0 for 7 on throws at least 20 yards downfield in the loss to the Colts on Monday night. This season, he has completed 4 of 26 attempts thrown at least 20 yards downfield. Only Geno Smith has a lower completion percentage on those throws. Manning overthrew his intended receiver on 10 attempts, matching the most overthrows he ha he's had in a game since 2006. Four of Manning's overthrows came on attempts at least 20 yards downfield. Finally on fourth down, the Patriots, who had more points at halftime than the Broncos had allowed in any game this season, are now 3-0 in regular season matchups against teams that beat them in the previous year's AFC Championship game. Brady improved to 11-5 all-time when Peyton Manning was the opposing starter. With the four downs, I'm Jake Turner. Welcome back to the Football Frenzy Podcast. Jake Asman alongside Dan Budick. And now it's time for our favorite part of the week. Are you ready? This week's Pigskin Pick'ems starts right now. It is indeed the Pigskin Pick'ems. Let's get right into it, Dan. Coming into week 10, I'm sitting at 19 and 16, and guess what? You caught up. You were also at 19 and 16 overall for the season. I went 2 and 3 last week. You went 3 and 2. And let's get right into it. We'll start with the Steelers and the Jets. Steelers and the Jets. Obviously, the Jets five-point dogs at home. I'm taking Pittsburgh to win and cover that spread. I agree with you, Dan. For the first time all season long, I can no longer pick the Jets. Exactly. And watch, I'm telling you, they have a great chance of winning this game. Not, it's because I'm not time. picking them, so don't first be surprised. Time. Do not be surprised, but I mean, for everything we've said early on in the show, the Jets are just not going to be able to score enough points to be able to compete with Big Ben and the Steelers' offense with how well they're playing. We talked about it already. Big Ben comes in throwing 12 touchdown passes in his last two games. He's been phenomenal, and I just think at the end of the day, the Jets don't have enough talent defensively to stop Roethlisberger, and I think the Jets' offense isn't going to be able to put up enough points. So I agree with you. Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers going on the road. Not really the road when you see the amount of Steelers fans yeah, are going exactly. to be there. I think they're going to have no problem in that game. Next game, Giants at the Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks are nine and a half point favorites. Who do you like? I'm going to take Seattle at home. I, I was very, like I mentioned before, very disappointed how the Giants came out after the bye against the Colts on Monday night. I think maybe Giants are just what Seattle needed, you know, coming in uh, back home. Nine and a half's a lot, but I think they'll cover. I think you look at this Giants team and you have Eli Manning, who hasn't played awful this season, but now he's going to go on the road and face a really good the defense. The toughest place to play. And, and, and the Giants aren't helping Eli out. They don't really have the receivers that, besides Beckham that are really contributing right now. The running game has been non-existent since Jennings went down for this Giants team. And defensively, they just lost Prince Akamukamara, so I think that's really going to hurt them in that secondary. Give me Seattle. I know they're giving a lot of points, but it's tough to play in Seattle, as we all know. I'm going to take the Seahawks with the points. You got the Sunday night game. Green Bay at home taking on Chicago. Chicago's seven and a half point dogs, Jake. Who do you like? Yeah, I'm going to take the Packers in this. I don't like the matchup. I don't think it's a good matchup for this Bears team. Packers, as you said, Dan, they are at home. They're coming in off a of bye week. You have a fully rested Aaron Rodgers. And I said earlier, he's got an extra week to prepare for a team. I think that benefits Rodgers and this Packers offense. I think they win big at home on Sunday Night Football. I agree. I think they blow out Chicago. Jay Culler hasn't played well. Him and his receivers are not on the same page. Like, like a lot of the time he's been in Chicago, the offensive line continues to fail him. Green Bay is going to win it. Panthers at the Eagles. We love this game. We talked about it earlier. Mark Sanchez getting the start for your Philadelphia Eagles. And you know what? Eagles are six-point favorites at home. And I'm going to take the Eagles in this one. I just don't think the Panthers are very good. They sit right now at 3-5-1. and one. They haven't impressed me at all this season. The Eagles are very good in prime time, and the Eagles are very good at home in general this season. They're 4-0 right now. The Panthers allow 125 rushing yards a game. And, of course, you know the Eagles are going to try and work in Sanchez slowly. They're going to give the ball to McCoy. I think he has a huge night. I think the Eagles win this game and they cover. Eagles win this game. They cover the six-point spread. I don't like the way Carolina has played this year. They've been very inconsistent offensively and defensively for how good their defense was last year. Leader of the Sanchez. Mark Sanchez gets the job done on Monday Night Football. Can't wait to watch Can't it. Can't wait. And Saints at the 49ers is my wild card game this week. The Saints are actually five-point favorites. 
But you know what? I'm going to take the Saints in this game. I think at the end of the day, the Niners are just not very good right now, and I love the way that the Saints played against the Packers. Once again, being at home, I think it's going to benefit the Saints team. Yep, my wild card game, Atlanta traveling to Tampa Bay. It's a one-point spread favoring Atlanta. I'm going to take them to win the game. So there you have it. Those are our wild card picks. Once again, the stakes are as high as ever. We were both tied in the standings. I'm at 19 and 16. Dan, you're at 19 and 16 as well. But fantastic show. Thank you to everybody for tuning in as always. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Football Frenzy Podcast. For Dan Budick, I'm Jake Asman saying so long. Go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.